Chapter 54 of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume 3, Part 1, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Houses of Monsieur Fouquet Whilst D'Artagnan was returning to Planchet's house, his head aching and bewildered with all that had happened to him, there was passing a scene of quite a different character, and which, nevertheless, is not foreign to the conversation our musketeer had just had with the king. Only this scene took place out of Paris, in the house possessed by the superintendent Fouquet, in the village of Saint-Mande. The minister had just arrived at this country house, followed by his principal clerk, who carried an enormous portfolio full of papers to be examined, and others waiting for signature. As it might be about five o'clock in the afternoon, the masters had dined, supper was being prepared for twenty subaltern guests. The superintendent did not stop. On alighting from his carriage, he, at the same bound, sprang through the doorway, traversed the apartments, and gained his cabinet, where he declared he would shut himself up to work, commanding that he should not be disturbed for anything but an order from the king. As soon as this order was given, Fouquet shut himself up, and two footmen were placed as sentinels at his door. Then Fouquet pushed a bolt, which displaced a panel that walled up the entrance and prevented everything that passed in this apartment from being either seen or heard. But, against all probability, it was only for the sake of shutting himself up that Fouquet shut himself up thus, for he went straight to a bureau, seated himself at it, opened the portfolio, and began to make a choice amongst the enormous mass of papers it contained. It was not more than ten minutes after he had entered, and taken all the precautions we have described, when the repeated noise of several slight equal knocks struck his ear, and appeared to fix his utmost attention. Fouquet raised his head, turned his ear, and listened. The strokes continued. Then the worker arose with a slight movement of impatience, and walked straight up to a glass behind which the blows were struck by a hand, or by some invisible mechanism. It was a large glass let into a panel. Three other glasses exactly similar to it completed the symmetry of the apartment. Nothing distinguished that one from the others. Without doubt, these reiterated knocks were a signal, for at the moment Fouquet approached the glass, listening, the same voice was renewed and in the same measure. Oh, ho! Oh, murmured the intendant with surprise. Who is yonder? I did not expect anybody today and without doubt, to respond to that signal, he pulled out a gilded nail near the glass and shook it thrice. Then, returning to his place and seating himself again, Ma foi, let them wait, said he. And plunging again into the ocean of papers unrolled before him, he appeared to think of nothing now but work. In fact, with incredible rapidity and marvelous lucidity, Fouquet deciphered the largest papers and most complicated writings, correcting them, annotating them with a pen moved as if by a fever, and the work melting under his hands, signatures, figures, references, became multiplied as if ten clerks, that is to say, a hundred fingers and ten brains, had performed the duties instead of the five fingers and single brain of this man. From time to time, only, Fouquet absorbed by his work, raised his head to cast a furtive glance upon a clock placed before him. The reason of this was Fouquet set himself a task, and when this task was once set, 
in one hour's work he by himself did what another would not have accomplished in a day always certain consequently provided he was not disturbed of arriving at the close in the time his devouring activity had fixed but in the midst of his ardent labor the soft strokes upon the little bell placed behind the glass sounded again hasty and consequently more urgent the lady appears to be impatient said fouquet humph a calm that must be the comtesse but no the comtesse has gone to rambouillet for three days the presidente then oh no the presidente would not assume such grand airs she would ring very humbly then she would wait my good pleasure the greatest certainty is that i do not know who it can be but that i know who it cannot be and since it is not you marquise since it cannot be you deuce take the rest and he went on with his work in spite of the reiterated appeals of the bell at the end of a quarter of an hour however impatience prevailed over fouquet in his turn he might be said to consume rather than to complete the rest of his work he thrust his papers into his portfolio and giving a glance at the mirror whilst the taps continued faster than ever oh oh said he whence comes all this racket what has happened and who can the ariadne be who expects me so impatiently let us see he then applied the tip of his finger to the nail parallel to the one he had drawn immediately the glass moved like a folding door and discovered a secret closet rather deep in which the superintendent disappeared as if going into a vast box when there he touched another spring which opened not a board but a block of the wall and he went out by that opening leaving the door to shut of itself then fouquet descended about a score of steps which sank winding underground and came to a long subterranean passage lighted by imperceptible loopholes the walls of this vault were covered with slabs or tiles and the floor with carpeting this passage was under the street itself which separated fouquet's house from the park of vincennes at the end of the passage ascended a winding staircase parallel with that by which fouquet had entered he mounted these other stairs entered by means of a spring placed in a closet similar to that in his cabinet and from this closet an untenanted chamber furnished with the utmost elegance as soon as he entered he examined carefully whether the glass closed without leaving any trace and doubtless satisfied with this observation he opened by means of a small gold key the triple fastenings of a door in front of him this time the door opened upon a handsome cabinet sumptuously furnished in which was seated upon cushions a lady of surpassing beauty who at the sound of the lock sprang towards fouquet ah good heavens cried the latter starting back with astonishment madame la marquise de belliere you here yes murmured la marquise yes it is i monsieur marquise dear marquise added fouquet ready to prostrate himself ah my god how did you come here and i to keep you waiting a long time monsieur yes a very long time i am happy in thinking this waiting has appeared long to you marquise oh 
an eternity monsieur oh i rang more than twenty times did you not hear me marquise you are pale you tremble did you not hear then that you were summoned oh yes i heard plainly enough madame but i could not come after your rigors and your refusals how could i dream it was you if i could have had any suspicions of the happiness that awaited me believe me madame i would have quitted everything to fall at your feet as i do at this moment are we quite alone monsieur asked the marquise looking round the room oh yes madame i can assure you of that really said the marquise in a melancholy tone you sigh said fouquet what mysteries what precautions said the marquise with a slight bitterness of expression and how evident it is that you feel the least suspicion of your remorse to escape would you prefer their being made public oh no you act like a delicate man said the marquise smiling come dear marquise punish me not with reproaches i implore you reproaches have i a right to make you any no unfortunately no but tell me you who during a year i have loved without return or hope you are mistaken without hope it is true but not without return what for me of my love there is but one proof and that proof i still want i am here to bring it monsieur fouquet wished to clasp her in his arms but she disengaged herself with a gesture you persist in deceiving yourself monsieur and never will accept of me the only thing i am willing to give you devotion ah then you do not love me devotion is but a virtue love is a passion listen to me i implore you i should not have come hither without a serious motive you are well assured of that are you not the motive is of very little consequence so that you are but here so that i see you so that i speak to you you are right the principal thing is that i am here without anyone having seen me and that i can speak to you fouquet sank on his knees before her speak speak madame said he i listen to you the marquise looked at fouquet on his knees at her feet and there was in the looks of the woman a strange mixture of love and melancholy oh at length murmured she would that i were she who has the right of seeing you every minute of speaking to you every instant would that i were she who might watch over you she who would have no need of mysterious springs to summon and cause to appear like a sylph the man she loves to look at him for an hour and then see him disappear in the darkness of a mystery still more strange at his going out than it is coming in oh that would be to live a happy woman 
do you happen, Marquise?' said Fouquet, smiling. "'To be speaking of my wife.' "'Yes, certainly. Of her I spoke.' "'Well, you need not envy her lot, Marquise. Of all the women with whom I have any relations, Madame Fouquet is the one I see the least of, and who has the least intercourse with me.' at least monsieur she is not reduced to place as i have done her hand upon the ornament of a glass to call you to her at least you do not reply to her by the mysterious alarming sound of a bell the spring of which comes from i don't know where at least you have not forbidden her to endeavor to discover the secret of these communications under pain of breaking off for ever your connections with her as you have forbidden all who come here before me and all who will come after me dear marquise how unjust you are and how little do you know what you are doing and thus exclaiming against mystery it is with mystery alone we can love without trouble it is with love without trouble alone that we can be happy but let us return to ourselves to that devotion of which you were speaking, or rather let me labor under a pleasing delusion and believe that this devotion is love. Just now, repeated the Marquise, passing over her eyes a hand that might have been a model for the graceful contours of antiquity. Just now I was prepared to speak. My ideas were clear and bold. Now I am quite confused, quite troubled. I fear I bring you bad news. If it is to the bad news, I owe your presence, Marquise. Welcome be even that bad news, or rather, Marquise, since you allow that I am not quite indifferent to you. Let me hear nothing of the bad news, but speak of yourself. No, no, on the contrary, demand it of me require me to tell it to you instantly and not to allow myself to be turned aside by any feeling whatever fouquet my friend it is of immense importance you astonish me marquise i will even say you almost frighten me you so serious so collected you who know the world we live in so well is it then important oh very important in the first place how did you come here you shall know that presently but first to something of more consequence speak marquise speak i implore you have pity on my impatience do you know that colbert is made intendant of the finances bah <laughs> colbert little colbert yes colbert little colbert mazarin's factotum the same well what do you see so terrific in that dear marquise little colbert is intent aunt that is astonishing i confess but is not terrific do you think the king has given without a pressing motive such a place to one you call a little quister in the first place 
it is positively true that the king has given it to him it is so said ay but who says so everybody everybody that's nobody mention someone likely to be well informed who says so madame vanel <laughs> now you begin to frighten me in earnest said fouquet laughing if any one is well informed or ought to be well informed it is the person you name do not speak ill of poor marguerite monsieur fouquet for she still loves you bah indeed that is scarcely credible i thought little colbert as you said just now had passed over that love and left the impression upon it of a spot of ink or a stain of grease fouquet fouquet is this the way you always treat the poor creatures you desert why you surely are not going to undertake the defence of madame vanel yes i will undertake it for i repeat she loves you still and the proof is she saves you but your interposition marquise that is very cunning on her part no angel could be more agreeable to me or could lead me more certainly to salvation but let me ask you do you know marguerite she was my convent friend and you say that she has informed you that monsieur colbert was named intendant yes she did well enlighten me marquise granted monsieur colbert is intendant so be it in what can an intendant that is to say my subordinate my clerk give me umbrage or injure me even if he is monsieur colbert you do not reflect monsieur apparently replied the marquise upon what this that monsieur colbert hates you hates me cried fouquet good heavens marquise whence do you come where can you live hates me why all the world hates me he of course as others do he more than others more than others let him he is ambitious who is not marquise yes but with him ambition has no bounds i am quite aware of that since he made it to a point to succeed me with madame Fanel, and obtained his end look at that do you mean to say he has the presumption to hope to pass from intendant to superintendent have you not yourself already had the same fear oh ho, ho, said fouquet to succeed with madame vanel is one thing to succeed me with the king is another france is not to be purchased so easily as the wife of a maitre de comte eh monsieur everything is to be bought if not by gold by intrigue nobody knows to the contrary better than you madame you to whom i have offered millions instead of millions fouquet 
you should have offered me a true only and boundless love i might have accepted that so you see still everything is to be bought if not in one way by another so colbert in your opinion is in a fair way of bargaining for my place of superintendent make yourself easy on that head my dear marquise he is not yet rich enough to purchase it but if he should rob you of it ah that is another thing unfortunately before he can reach me that is to say the body of the place he must destroy must make a breach in the advanced works and i am devilishly well fortified marquise what do you call your advanced works or your creatures are they not your friends exactly so and is monsieur d'amerys one of your creatures yes he is is monsieur liodot one of your friends certainly monsieur de vanin monsieur de vanin ah they may do what they like with him but 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 they must not touch the others well if you are anxious they should not touch messieurs de Marie and liadot it is time to look about you who threatens them will you listen to me now attentively marquise without interrupting me speak well this morning marguerite sent for me and what did she want with you i dare not see monsieur fouquet myself said she bah why should she think i would reproach her poor woman she vastly deceives herself see him yourself said she and tell him to beware of monsieur colbert what she warned me to beware of her lover i have told you she still loves you go on marquise monsieur colbert she added came to me two hours ago to inform me he was appointed intendant i have already told you marquise that monsieur colbert would only be the more in my power for that yes but that is not all marguerite is intimate as you know with madame de Merry and madame liodot i know it well monsieur colbert put many questions to her relative to the fortunes of those two gentlemen and as to the devotion they had for you oh as to those two i can answer for them they must be killed before they will cease to be mine then as madame vanel was obliged to quit monsieur colbert for an instant to receive a visitor and as monsieur colbert is industrious scarcely was the new intendant left alone before he took a pencil from his pocket and as there was paper on the table began to make notes notes concerning de marie and liodot exactly i should like to know what those notes were about and that is just what i have brought to you madame vanel has taken colbert's notes and sent them to me no 
but by a chance which resembles a miracle she has a duplicate of those notes how could she get that listen i told you that colbert found paper on the table yes that he took a pencil from his pocket yes and wrote upon that paper yes well this pencil was a lead pencil consequently hard so it marked in black upon the first sheet and in white upon the second go on colbert when tearing off the first sheet took no notice of the second well well on the second was to be read what had been written on the first madame Fenel read it and sent for me yes yes then when she was assured i was your devoted friend she gave me the paper and told me the secret of this house and the paper said fouquet in some degree of agitation here it is monsieur read it said the marquise fouquet read names of the farmers of revenue to be condemned by the chamber of justice demery friend of m f liadot friend of m s de vanin indif demery and liadot cried fouquet reading the paper eagerly again friends of m f pointed the marquise with her finger but what is the meaning of these words to be condemned by the chamber of justice dame said the marquise that is clear enough i think besides that is not all read on read on and fouquet continued the two first to death the third to be dismissed with messieurs d'autmont and de la valette who will only have their property confiscated great god cried fouquet to death to death liadot and demery but even if the chamber of justice should condemn them to death the king will never ratify their condemnation and they cannot be executed without the king's signature the king has made monsieur colbert intendant oh cried fouquet as if he caught a glimpse of the abyss that yawned beneath his feet impossible impossible but who passed a pencil over the marks made by colbert i did i was afraid the first would be effaced oh i will know all you will know nothing monsieur you despise your enemy too much for that pardon me my dear marquise excuse me yes monsieur colbert is my enemy i believe him to be so yes monsieur colbert is a man to be dreaded i admit but i i have time and as you are here as you have assured me of your devotion as you have allowed me to hope for your love as we are alone i came here to save you monsieur fouquet and not to ruin myself said the marquise rising therefore beware marquise in truth you terrify yourself too much at least unless this terror is but a pretext he is very deep 
very deep this monsieur colbert beware fouquet in his turn drew himself up and i asked he and you you have only a noble heart beware beware so i have done what was right my friend at the risk of my reputation adieu not adieu au revoir perhaps said the marquise giving her hand to fouquet to kiss and walking toward the door with so firm a step that he did not dare to bar her passage as to fouquet he retook with his head hanging down and a fixed cloud on his brow the path of the subterranean passage along which ran the metal wires that communicated from one house to the other transmitting through two glasses the wishes and signals of hidden correspondence end of chapter fifty four recording by john van stan savannah georgia